The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain and living in Canada. And since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which explains the name of the show, Family Caregivers Unite. Now, today's episode is about family caregivers and the latest research. See, breaking news about medical research bombards family caregivers, the family members they are caring for, and for that matter, all of us. The breaking news creates really challenging questions for family caregivers when it relates to the conditions that affect their family members, especially when the health condition is currently considered incurable and the news is about new treatments. The kind of questions that challenge family caregivers include, what are the implications for our family? What action should I, the family caregiver, take? Where do I turn for a second opinion on the breaking news? Now, to explore these and other questions, I'm welcoming Dr. Kim Berkowitz and Craig Thompson. Now, first of all, let me um, uh, give you the background for Dr. Berkowitz. She's a medical sociologist with a PhD in community health. She's president of the Research Doctor, Inc., a company specializing in patient-centered market research and community outreach. Prior to founding the company in 2005, she spent 20 years working with hard-to-reach populations, and this was through her position as a National Cancer Institute of Canada postdoctoral fellow and researcher at several Toronto teaching hospitals. She holds adjunct faculty appointments at the University of Toronto's Dalalana School of Public Health and York University's Faculty of Health. She's trained at Harvard in community mediation and negotiation for difficult situations. She's recently launched the Patient Pages, an online resource and community. Its first site is focused on children and youth and their caregivers. Craig Thompson is a professional engineer and certified mediator. He's 25 years of experience marketing, communications, and information technology. He works as a freelance digital producer specializing in online support tools for the healthcare sector. He's family caregiver for a sibling diagnosed with lymphoma, and he's support coordinator for a friend diagnosed with breast cancer. He's executive producer of SharingStrength.ca, 
a Canadian online resource and support community for women and caregivers affected by breast cancer. He's board vice chair at Progress Place Community Center, a recovery center and down clubhouse in downtown Toronto for people with serious and persistent mental illness. He sees online support as a use of technology that provides a bridge to establish relationships and create experiences between people. So, Kim and Craig, welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. Thank you, Gordon. Okay. Now, I'm going to start with Kim first, please. Please tell us a little bit more about your background as a professional researcher and anything about your experience with family caregiving. Kim? Okay, well, I'll start with the latter. Um, I, amongst my, in terms of the extended family caregiving experience, um, in my extended as well as in my immediate family, um, members have been afflicted with a range of diseases uh, from dementia, heart disease, various cancers, chronic sinusitis, etc. And it's really these uh, experiences that have informed what I call an emotionally intelligent approach to my research business. As a medical sociologist, I help healthcare organizations and pharmaceutical companies better understand uh, the patient, consumer, and caregiver information needs as well as their social and emotional support needs. And I routinely moderate discussion groups that incorporate both patients and caregivers um, to elicit the the various perspectives on caregiving and, and health and disease experiences. Right. Craig, similar question. Tell us more, please, about your background as a marketing, communications, and information professional and your own experiences with family caregiving. Um, I've been involved in a communications business for about 25 years, and um, since 1995, it's been more and more in the digital area, so the digital media um, business. And and in that, in my role in that uh, Industry. I've I've had a, my own interactive agency and had senior um, roles in what we call the full service communications agency. So I've seen a the sort of the evolution of communications from the, the more traditional um, uh, vehicles to the non traditional, particularly now with the online and the and the internet type um, uh, execution. So it's it's been an interesting um, few years for how that evolution has occurred. Um, I currently work with a variety of private and public organizations that specialize, and I specialize in healthcare-related projects. So, in particular, what interests me um, a lot these days is the uh, patient support and caregiver support um, communications that goes on between organizations and uh, and the patient caregiver communities. In terms of my personal experience with caregiving, I have a, a brother who was diagnosed with lymphoma last year, and. I was very much involved in, um, he was actually in the U.S. at the time of his treatment, uh, of his diagnosis, I was involved in the, if you can call it, repatriating of him back to, to Toronto for treatment so he could be around family and friends and have essentially become his co-pilot in, in the treatment journey that he's been going through and attended all of his, his sessions with his oncologist and uh, radiologist and all his, all his ologists. Um, right. To date, I also have a very close friend who is in experiencing her second bout of cancer in as many years. And while she has a very strong circle of family and friends around her, the role that I've been playing is more as a technical 
uh, co-pilot, if I can call it that, in that I've set up an online support community to allow the people around her to coordinate our activities to help her in the best way we can. So that's, that's my experience with caregiving. Great. Kim? Mm-hmm. Um, please, please tell us, let's get into now the question of family caregivers locating information, you know, the information they need to follow up on, media reports on the new research, whether new research could affect the family members they're caring for. So how do family caregivers locate that crucial information for them? Okay. <clears throat> well, caregivers, along with uh, the patients uh, for whom they're caring, are very much wired in. Uh, according to um, a, a U.S. study, it's called the Pew Internet um, Project, um, 61% of Internet users have searched online for health information, and 52% of all inline health inquiries are on behalf of someone else. So the caregivers are researching on behalf of families and friends. So, you know, when we're thinking about seniors not being online, well, they are. Um, but if they're not, then their caregivers certainly are. And uh, it comes as no surprise that the number one place that caregivers are going is Dr. Google. They're basically typing in the disease and the drug name and uh, sometimes even the doctor's name uh, on the Rate Your MD site to locate the information. And whatever um, sites come up, um, usually on the top two screens of Google and primarily the top screen is what they read. And as a note, they're not necessarily Googling uh, Canadian or American disease-related organizations like the Heart Stroke Foundation of, of Canada or the U.S. They're typing in their disease and the drug name, and whatever comes up is what they're reading. Right. Craig, um, I want you to tell us, please, about the way in which communications methods are used to help family caregivers understand the implication of new information about you know, conditions that affect the family member they're caring for. Craig? Well, I guess there's really two ways as a communications person that we approach this, and, and we sort of in the traditional and non-traditional methods, you know, and the traditionally there's a lot of, of effort put into creating, you know, print materials and so forth for doctors that they can make available to their patients um, at the clinic um, all the way to, you know, seminars and information sessions at hospitals for those, for those um, patients and caregivers who are recently diagnosed or are, and are looking at undergoing some kind of treatment protocol. Um, and it goes all the way. So those are, you know, very traditional. Um, some of the more non-traditional are are in the online space, where Kim has mentioned that, you know, where information is put out online, and we and um, organizations try to make it available by uh, making sure that it's searchable and indexable by Google. The creation of online peer support communities and even social media initiatives like tweet chats and so forth. And that doesn't also include some of the less formal grassroots initiatives driven by the actual patient and caregiver communities who take it upon themselves to do things like pamphlet services and calling circles, meet and greets, all that kind of thing. So it really runs the gamut of, um, of ways that we try to get information out. Kim, have you any views on what Craig's just been saying? I'm sorry? Kim, do you have any sort of views on what Craig's just been saying about these wide range of ways in which communications are employed. Do you, do you have any experience in that? I, I think I, I would corroborate what uh, Craig had said in terms of the inf- information resources being available both through online uh, venues as well as offline through patient associations and advocacy groups. Right. What I think we're, we're saying now is that 
all of this communication and information is forming up into something that's really very new, very important, and has powerful implications for family caregivers. Now, at this point, I'm going to go into the break because it is that time. We do have to pay the rent. And so this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Kim Berkowitz and Craig Thompson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please do stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Two views. Different topics. Questions. Answers. News. And advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host, Jordan Kimmel, is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Kim Berkowitz and Craig Thompson. Our topic is family caregivers and the latest research. So now let's explore the ways in which family caregivers seek, need, and use information about new research that possibly has important implications for the persons they're caring for. Kim first, how do family caregivers do their own research into breaking news of research? And can you give us any examples? Well, what they're what caregivers are doing is they're they're often visiting a static um, as well as more interactive websites. And by static, I mean information websites, where they seek out information about uh, the patient's uh, condition, treatments, symptoms, or any clinical trials. Um, and they're also going into the Web 2.0 sphere, which is more interactive sites where there's a, an exchange and sharing of information and support through blogs, podcasts. Uh, photo sharing, videos on YouTube, chat rooms, discussion forums, and various social networking sites. 
Now, they go into um, either uh, disease-specific groups or general groups, um, such as on Facebook, there's disease-specific groups, believe it or not. Uh, what also has come up quite a bit in my research is um, um, people, caregivers, uh, going into Wikipedia, um, wikis, uh, which for many who aren't as informed are regarded as, uh, you know, an encyclopedia, an authoritative site, and it's not because anyone can input and edit information. Um, also, online has not replaced uh, traditional paper um, booklets and information sources, and caregivers are still desiring booklets and information materials given by their doctor or healthcare providers, um, but it's often lacking in medical clinics. And they are calling uh, patient associations, such as uh, cancer societies, for information and support. Okay. Craig, let's talk about the research and similar organizations that actually, that actually possess the information um, that family caregivers need. How do these organizations communicate with the family caregivers, and how well do these communications work, in your opinion? I, I think it's important that we sort of understand the the environment that the research organizations, which would include pharmaceuticals and device manufacturers, work within, particularly in Canada, it's a, it's a relatively restricted environment in terms of what they can and cannot say. So that's always the challenge, and some sort of um, feel it's, they're being asked to communicate with one hand tied behind their back. And that's a de quite a different environment here in Canada than it is, say, in the U.S. Um, but what, what we we do see happening in terms of how it doesn't, it doesn't mean that they, they can't communicate. What, what they seem to be doing or wanting to do now is to approach it from the standpoint of being more than just communicating information about their treatments or their drugs, but trying to embrace the entire disease, if I can put it that way, and support the, the caregivers and patients at that level as opposed to at, at, the, at the more minute level of their, of their drug. Um, and so I've seen, I've seen more and more uh, organizations moving in that direction where they are trying to, to give patients and caregivers a lot more um, information about the, their disease um, that's, that's credible and relevant to them in their Canadian healthcare experience and create sort of the conduits to allow them to get access to the information that, that might not be so restricted um, or provided by organizations that's not so restricted as to what they live under. Right. Kim, I want to follow up on what Craig's just been saying. Um, he's, been he's described to us types of information um, that the people who possess it are trying to provide. What mm -hmm. do we know about the types of information that family caregivers are looking for? Um, what types do they find most useful, least useful, most credible, and least credible? Kim? Okay, so I'll start with the most useful information, which builds on what Craig had been talking about. Uh, caregivers are really looking for um, a gamut of information, um, from as basic as uh, sort of the disease 101, information about the disease journey from diagnosis to treatment to re remission or relapse or flare-ups. They're looking for information on treatments, uh, diagnostic tests, uh, clinical trial information, particularly in Canada, uh, where caregivers are finding that it's not as, as accessible, um, information on symptoms and side effects. They're also really looking for health and wellness information about exercise and diet and vitamins, information about uh, interpreting symptoms um, that uh, patients are experiencing, and also seeking peer-to-peer um, -peer information about tests 
treatments and, and various treatments. And as Craig pointed out, um, they're looking for regionally specific information, Canadian information or provincial or state-specific information, um, specifically about, about reimbursement and access issues as well as clinical trials and accessing those. Right. Um, as far as least, inform- least useful information, uh, as Craig pointed out, um, any biased information uh, from coming from pharmaceutical companies that's not presented in a fair, balanced way, where there's one drug presented versus a range of uh, drugs or treatment options, any information on drug promotions as opposed to information or, ed- or education is, is not looked at favorably at all. It's very biased. And also it, where there's too much information, too, like a morass of information that caregivers just can't absorb. Uh, in terms of most credible information, uh, any sites or information sources that come from medical associations, patient organizations, academic institutions, hospitals, cancer centers, information that's current, that's uh, regularly updated, and also information that's referred by physicians uh, and healthcare providers is, is looked at very favorably. In terms of least credible information, um, that's information that's exclusively sponsored by a pharmaceutical company as opposed to a pharma company in collaboration with a, a patient or healthcare organization, which is looked at favorably as long as it's collaborative and not exclusively um, a, a marketplace-driven biased source of information. Right. Craig, let's talk about research and similar organizations that have information. Um, to what extent do they seek feedback on the credibility of information supplied to family caregivers? And when they do get that feedback, what use do they make of it? Well, they, they get the feedback through sort of the traditional research, um, I would say predominantly through a research vehicle, where they would, uh, through focus groups or, or um, surveys, determine what patients feel is the best source of credible information. And, and the research has always shown that, that people tradition, you know, still go look to their doctor or healthcare providers as the, um, most, as the purveyor of the, of the most credible information. And so that hasn't really changed that much, um, and it makes sense. Uh, so in terms of how research and, and, and uh, similar organizations make use of that, it's really... Um, as simple as trying to make sure that the that the patient uh, that the healthcare provider has um, access to the resources and materials that they need to be able to communicate effectively with their patients. So it's really it's really empowering those those individuals with with materials and tools to make sure that they can um, commu- communicate effectively with their with their uh, uh, patients. Right, Kim. I'm going to switch to you now, um, and I have to say, I'm afraid that we have only a fairly brief time for this question because I also want to follow up with, with Craig. Now, mm-hmm. tell us what you, we know about the way in which family caregivers use the information that they find on these new healthcare things. And Can you give us any examples? Well, they use the information by comparing notes with other caregivers in terms of options for treatments or clinical trials or that sort of thing. They're often trying to seek consensus of opinions from Internet postings, so they're going on to various sites to look for consensus. Um, They're looking for confirmation about symptoms, what is normal, what isn't normal. Um, They also use um, the information to prepare lists of questions for the doctors. And um, they use the information to um, really enhance their 
their communications between uh, the doctor and the uh, and themselves in terms of being able to ask questions from a position of knowledge um, they feel uh, could enable doctors to take caregivers more seriously yeah Craig um, I'm talking now still about the research and those organizations that actually possess the information needed by family caregivers um, how do they set about finding out what the family caregivers actually use it for and what do they do to increase the usefulness of the information that they're providing to family caregivers? And do you have any examples? Um, well, the example that I'll use will be um, an online example. And what online provides us with is, is um, the ability to, to track what information is being um, used by whom and when. Which is which is information that is really quite uh, important for any for an organization that is in the you know trying to communicate as effectively and as efficiently as they can with their constituents. So, for example, on a on a website, um, you would be tracking where uh, patients and caregivers go within the website, what resources they access, how often they access it, and so forth. And that information then sort of is fed back in the development of better communications to fill in gaps where um, uh, someone might be searching for a particular resource on a particular topic and yet the website has no information on that topic. So that information then is, is uh, used by the, the uh, editors or, or whoever who's managing the community to find resources for, the, for those people. Right, right. Craig, are there any, ever any concerns about about privacy, and I'm afraid you only have a few seconds to answer that very long question. Any questions, any issues about privacy occur in what you've been talking about? Well, I guess the, the privacy, um, pretty much everyone who's looking for information uh, today is, is anonymous until they in, try to engage at the sort of a community level. So um, I, I don't think there is too many privacy issues uh, when, you're, when you're essentially searching for information um, it's when you when you, when you get into the to the areas of actually engaging as a as a community person and contributing your own content that sometimes privacy issues come up. But again, my experience has been that right now that the information that's being gathered is really not um, anything that should give in, in, rise to some privacy concerns. Perfectly fair. Now it is time, I'm afraid, again to take the short break. This is Dr. Gordon Avery, and my guests are Kim Berkovitz and Craig Thompson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. We're definitely coming back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Kim Berkowitz and Craig Thompson. Our topic is Family Caregivers and the Latest Research. Now I'd like to talk about the role of the Internet for family caregivers in assessing the implications of breaking news about research. Starting with Kim, you've already mentioned this, but I'd like you to say more about it. To what extent and how is the Internet replacing the doctor as the information resource for family caregivers? And then linking with that, is the internet always reliable enough for family caregivers as an information source? Kim? Okay, I'd like to uh, to start with a cartoon uh, that is very prominent in my mind. Uh, picture this. It's, uh, it's an elderly patient armed with her internet printout sitting across from the desk from her doctor and she says, I'm sorry doctor, but I have to disagree. Um, this is an example of what some people might perceive as the difficult patient, the difficult empowered patient, but that's not the case. Um, the issue is, is that the Internet is a key source of health information. However, the accuracy and reliability of information can vary widely from uh, sites that caregivers and people are visiting, ranging from Craigslist and Facebook to Wikipedia to WebMD, Mayo Clinic, and that sort of thing. Um, the trend, according to the research, is that patients are using the Internet and the physicians equally. They're using the Internet to seek second opinions about doctor's advice, to check or to corroborate the doctor's advice, and they're also using the Internet to um, help them interpret medical consults or to decode the medical shop talk, the medical terminology. Um, and, and also what patients are doing is um, they're double-checking Internet research with their doctors. So essentially the Internet is serving as a primer effect that enables uh, patients and caregivers to, uh, to read and then to bring in the, the, the printouts and the questions uh, to the doctor's office to, um, to uh, clarify or demystify any information. So it certainly has not replaced the, uh, the physician and healthcare providers at all. Okay. Craig, I want you to draw on your background in information technology, and on the basis of that, say what you recommend to family caregivers in search of the kind of information we're talking about. Um, what's the advice you have to help them make the best possible use of the computer resources that are available to them? Well, I guess good or bad, more and more of the tools and resources that, that will be developed um, to support caregivers will come from will be in digital media. So it's uh, your computer technology is always going to be the enabling um, piece of the puzzle. And so it's, you know, at a very basic level, it's, it's imperative that caregivers 
um, make sure that their computer technology that they've got access to is up to the task. Um, there's really nothing more frustrating for anybody that when you try to access information online that your computer doesn't have the proper, um, you know, support, uh, software or whatever to actually gain access to that information. So the computer is still, it's still sort of the, the one thing that needs to be um, maintained and, and, and up to the job. Um, but, if, again, if computers are not, uh, you know, someone's particular strength or interest, it's always, in, you know, the other alternative is to find a friend or a relative who is be your designated uh, digital co-pilot, if I can put it that way, <laughs> who's comfortable with those various um, tools and search uh, techniques. Uh, and speaking about search, it's going to become more and more, uh, I think, important for um, individuals to understand and be better um, able to search appropriately using, obviously, Googles and the Wikipedias of the world, but um, the search results are, are not democratic, if I can put it that way. So while, while your search results that appear on the front page may seem interesting, they may not be the best ones. So understanding search and the, and the ways to search is going to be very important. Right. Kim, that flows into you at the question I have for you next, which is mm -hmm. when you're looking at a website, from the perspective in, from the eyes of family caregivers looking for the information, what gives a website credibility? Well, what uh, caregivers will, will, will tell you is that uh, whatever comes up high in the Google search engine ranking is, is what some might perceive as credible. But what really gives websites credibility, as I mentioned, is are sites that are endorsed by patient uh, healthcare medical associations and sites that are referred by physicians and healthcare providers. Also sites where there's um, no advertising or product sales and sites that aren't exclusively sponsored by pharmaceutical companies. Uh, caregivers are really looking for transparency and they, they want to know what the site purpose is. Um, they want to see that the sponsorship is explicit. Um, they really like to see a site editor who oversees the, the content and a healthcare professional advisory panel uh, for, for questions and answers. Yeah. Do the family caregivers, once they've found a site that they think is credible, do they stay with it or do they switch around? And if they do switch around, why do they do so? That depends. It depends on the, the caregiver users. Um, site switching really varies, um, and loyalty is a, is a very big factor to consider when developing uh, a site. Uh, when there's sites with exit arrows uh, that would take people to other sites, um, the site is at risk for losing users. Um, caregivers and, and site users walk not with their feet but with their mouth. And if the site isn't um, engaging uh, people in, in a way that they'd like to be engaged, specifically through user-generated content and um, um, interactivity, they're going to leave. So in terms of um, site loyalty, um, different factors that need to be considered to, to not only um, attract uh, caregiver users but to retain them is to ensure that the site is interactive in, in terms of enabling uh, discussion forums, questions and answers, and, and user-generated content. Uh, it needs to be dynamic um, with new um, and constantly changing information, information updates, uh, the latest research news and videos. Um, caregivers like experiential information, stories and testimonials, and they like innovative content that looks at the, the, the whole disease experience from lifestyle and wellness issues to practical tips um, on living and coping with diseases and a caregiver corner, a place just for caregivers to exchange uh, and interact with one another. Right. Craig, um, I'm referring you 
to your um, work in what I'll call the mental health arena, um, what do you see as the particular value of the Internet to family caregivers whose family member is affected by a mental health condition? You know, when there's news of promising research and that news is reported in the media, well, how useful to the Internet, to, to these family caregivers, is the Internet? Craig? I think it's it's one of it's probably one of the the most useful tools available to a family who's um, impacted by mental illness. Uh, I was at a, a conference last year in Montreal, which dealt solely with the role of internet in treating mental illness, and it was it was attended by a real interesting mix of technology companies, um, healthcare professionals, and academics, and uh, a lot of attention was spent on the power of blogging that um, by people who are affected by mental illness and the ability to tell stories and share experiences, that that had an a, a enormous impact um, on people and provided that important sort of conduit which didn't come with the, with, with the stigma that can be associated with mental illness and allowed caregivers to access information um, that they wouldn't have had um, the ability to access any other way. So... Um, I think it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be more and more important, even as, as uh, we move into, into the Internet being delivered through our personal devices like mobile phones. There's a lot of work going on now in what they call collaborative care scenarios with your healthcare professionals using mobile devices um, for, from as simple as reminder applications that help you know, someone suffering from a serious mental illness like schizophrenia manage their day-to-day routines. Um, from all the way from taking their medications to making sure that they go and, um, and exercise. So I think it's going to have a, a, a fundamental um, impact on how family caregivers um, help their, their, their um, family member who's dealing with mental health problems. Right. Kim, we're still drilling down into the ways that the Internet and therefore websites are useful, you know, relative to what I call new developments. What are the family caregivers actually looking for in the ways that websites present the crucial information they need? My research has shown that uh, caregivers uh, and users are looking for anything new, new treatment information, research, news updates. They're looking for disease information, uh, both basic and advanced. So we're looking at the 101s and the 201s of disease information. Um, they'd really like to read more about lifestyle-related information, exercise, diet, nutritional supplements, vitamins, alternative therapies. Uh, they're looking for planning tips, um, how to plan the disease journey, including what to do when there's relapses or flare-ups, practical information, question checklists, treatment plans, record-keeping tools to chart the symptoms, side effects, etc. Experiential information, they're looking for stories and testimonials from other caregivers and, and patients about the, the lived disease experiences. Um, moderated venues is, is a, a very hot topical area um, in terms of um, a Q&A forum with a healthcare professional panel, as well as moderated discussion forums. Um, they're looking for caregiver support groups um, in terms of online discussion forums and peer matching. Um, 
AV materials, videos, podcasts. Uh, for many many caregivers can't attend conferences that are out of town. It's expensive and it's uh, time consuming. Um, so videos and, and podcasts uh, on the conference sessions given by these uh, speakers would be very useful, as well as information. They're hungry and thirsty for information, downloadable information, links to other websites, credible websites, community events and resources, and an online resource library right. is really key. Right. Craig, I want to ask you a question in a different um, in a different vein now. Um, this re- speaks to your experience, and also Kim has this experience in dispute re- resolution. As we all know, sometimes disputes arise within families over health conditions of a loved one. Um, what role does dispute resolution play in such situations? Well, you're right when when you say that that. Um, this gives rise to a lot of, I'll more call it conflict within families when you're dealing with a loved one who's got a serious illness and, and you're really just wanting to help. Um, to pick up on a point that, that Kim mentioned, that there is a, sometimes a differential in terms of the, the needs of caregivers to, to learn the latest and greatest treatments versus the patient themselves. And I've, I've seen that tension even in amongst my own family where where I'm driven to, to learn everything I can about my brother's condition, but he may not be in the same place that I am. So there, there is that, that tension that, that occurs. And the only, um, it, it, with any kind of conflict, it's all about, to get past that, it's about finding a common ground so that you can um, find common, commonality in what it is that you're both trying to do. And sometimes that can be just as easy, just, just from listening and letting someone tell their stories. Um, which also is, is, has a role, you know, in terms of online communities, that can be a place where caregivers and patients meet and you begin to see and listen to the other side of the story and give you a better perspective on where people come at it. Yeah. So um, it is a, it's an interesting area. It, there, I think there always will be conflict. It's not always a bad thing. Right. Um, but I'm going to have to interrupt you now, Craig, but we'll go back to this in a moment because it is that dreadful time again when we do have to take the break. Uh, this is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guests are Kim Berkowitz and Craig Thompson. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. We definitely will be back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? World Talk Radio presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for total career success on World Talk Radio. The Marsh Engel Show. Join the movement to empower yourself with the essentials of feminine power and success and learn how women around the world are becoming more inspired, more influential, and absolutely amazing. Each week, Marsh sits down for an engaging conversation with women who are boldly committed to living their most amazing life. You'll discover ways to step into your greatest vision, deepen your relationships, and unleash your real creative brilliance. Get ready. It's time to jump into the conversation. That 
That's Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern for The Marsh Engel Show on the Voice America Business Network. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Kim Berkowitz and Craig Thompson. Our topic is Family Caregivers and the Latest Research. Let's now talk about what's needed to enhance support for family caregivers and their family members in making sense of the latest research of findings that appear to be important to them. So let's start with Kim. What types of information support do family caregivers really most rely on and how and why do these types of support need to be improved? Well, as we discussed, uh, caregivers uh, rely mostly on the Internet. Um, The challenge is that uh, caregivers and patients would like print materials from the doctor's office, but they're not always readily available, so they turn to the Internet. The problem with the Internet is there's too much information. My research with both uh, doctors, healthcare providers, and caregivers has shown that there really is a need for a one-stop shop, a centralized information resource with links to reputable websites, downloadable information, podcasts, and expert-led webinars, etc., so that's uh, one area where uh, support could be improved. The other areas in terms of psychoinformational and, and uh, psychosocial information and, and support, um, there really is a, a dearth of information and resources for families in terms of uh, disclosures of um, the illness to young children, um, family coping with the disease, death and dying, um, assistance in terms of navigating the healthcare system and reimbursement options. So that's really lacking practical information, how to, how to support a patient, um, and, and what, what the family can expect throughout this disease journey would be very important. Money issues often comes up in terms of drug reimbursement information and financial information um, for the patient in terms of um, employment, insurance, disability, or, or financial planning issues. Um, as I mentioned, lifestyle information, and overall links to uh, support groups, um, both in person and online, peer networking, mentorship, peer matching. Um, another issue that's come up is a need for public awareness and education about, uh, about caregiving in terms of the stress, the burden, the need for employment flexibility and that sort of thing. Right. I'm going to come back to you um, later on. Um, sure. I want to ask you, and I'm just warning you about it, who should do all of this and who should be responsible. But let's go to Craig next. Mm-hmm. What more would you like to see done to improve communications between organizations with information and family caregivers who need the information, and who has the responsibility for getting these improvements made? I, I totally agree with what Kim was saying in terms of the, the um, 
what she feels needs to be done in terms of information. I approach it much more from a sort of a tactical standpoint, and I think a lot more work has to be done um, to develop information and support for those caregivers whose first language is in English. Even mm. our French speakers have a difficult time getting access to information that is credible and relevant um, to the Canadian healthcare system. So that, first and foremost, is something that we bump up against all the time. Um, it's also, you know, not totally fully understood that not all caregivers are literate. So it's, it can be a huge problem when um, you have that, that type of de de deficit in place in, in terms of trying to overcome the implications of a serious um, illness. Um, we also spend, you know, we should spend more time developing culturally sensitive communications to take into account, you know, different learning styles and customs. It's not always about translation. You know, just translating the printed page is not going to help somebody whose who's, uh, learning style is not in line with that. So those are all, you know, issues related to being in sort of a multicultural um, country like Canada. But at the same time, Canada being a very large country, um, the support for caregivers in remote communities is a challenge. So, again, online has a role to play in that, um, but it's still a lot of work still needs to be done to understand better the needs of people in remote communities. And in terms of who's responsible for that, uh, I really have to lay it at the, at the foot of organizations and government. Um, it's really up to them to, to do the hard work of engaging the caregivers in understanding better what their needs are and delivering on those demands. Right. Just a quick clarification. Um, thinking about the U.S. now, does, in your opinion, the U.S. face the similar problems with uh, the question of um, non-English speakers, um, people with other languages? Do the communications problems you're talking about exist there, in your view? It may be a, a bit more acute in Canada, just because of the, the cultural mosaic, but I, 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 I would assume that they've got the same issues um, uh, in the Spanish US. language. You know, yeah, I think absolutely. it's I think it's a I think it's something that's just overlooked a lot of the times, and when resources are limited, it's the first thing that kind of falls off the off the table. Perfectly fair. Now, Kim, um, these improvements you were talking about, and also Craig's as well. Um, who has the responsibility to make them? Do you agree with what Craig said? And that leads to another question, which is one of advocacy. And what's the role of the Internet for ad advocacy for or by family caregivers needing to interpret and act on, maybe, new information uh, about the condition, the health condition that affects their family members? Who has the responsibility? Kim? Uh, again, I, I, I would corroborate what Craig had said, that uh, patient uh, associations, uh, disease associations, government um, should have an interest in patient education, empowerment, and advocacy, as well as physicians and healthcare professionals um, would have an interest in referring patients to information support and resources. The challenge, however, is that there's limited money, and uh, the medical clinics do, do not necessarily have booklets of information to hand out to their patients. So then it, uh, it falls on for-profit companies like pharmaceutical companies to, uh, in collaboration with, with patient groups so that it's uh, unbiased to develop um, these materials that could be physician, uh, distributed through physician healthcare provider offices to patients. Right. I'm just going to continue to press you on this one. Um, let's talk about the advocacy. 
Is the internet useful to family caregivers? And I, if I can just be lighthearted about this, but it's a serious subject, to say, this is family caregivers speaking, we're not being well enough served with information that we can understand and find useful. Uh, we want to do something about it, or we want to see something done about it. Um, what about this advocacy role for family caregivers in this particular context? I think that there's a strong need uh, for, for advocacy work, and it, it could be defined in, in various ways. Uh, first, there needs to be much more work, as Craig had pointed out, with literacy and cultural sensitive uh, communications that meet multicultural, non-English speaking uh, um, caregivers. Uh, I think that there needs to be more work done in terms of mentoring and, and coaching caregivers uh, to help them become better navigators of the patient disease journey in the healthcare system. Craig referred earlier to the, the, the term of being a co-pilot. Um, I think caregivers need, need some, some training as to how, how to be a co-pilot and how to navigate and help patients navigate um, the disease journey. Um, a lot of work needs to be done in terms of um, training um, caregivers to be inquirists, um, teaching them to ask, ask no how to ask the right questions. Um, inevitably, they're accompanying patients to the medical consults, and they need to be equipped with the skills to create checklists of stage-based questions to ask throughout the disease journey, from diagnosis to treatment, relapse, remission, end of life, and that sort of thing. And, I mean, not only knowing what questions to ask, but a manageable number of questions to ask uh, that could be handled easily by, by the physician within a limited uh, medical consult time frame. Right. And also, caregivers need to learn to be, um, they need to be equipped with the skills to be a researcher, sort of playing medical detective work, how to read and interpret these research studies, how to read Internet sites with a more critical eye and to discern credible from non-credible information. Sure. Now, Craig, I'm going to ask you what you would like to see done by healthcare, and that includes doctors, hospitals, and the whole healthcare um, system, to improve it or their communications about new developments and the communications are to family caregivers. So in other words, what would you like to see done and who would you like to see doing it? Well, I'd, li I'd like to see the, the healthcare industry see what, what we call the empowered caregiver or empowered patient as more a part of a solution and not a problem to be solved or a symptom of a broken system. Um, because, um, and I think it's you've mentioned this, Gordon, um, or written about it, that it is the future of our healthcare that depends on it, that the caregivers really are part of this, I think you referred to as an underground economy that's going on that is really integral to how we deliver healthcare today. So um, really, I think healthcare industry needs to be able to listen better and make, and make uh, decisions based on the input of, of that uh, important constituency. Um, it might sound crass, but it's, it, it really is more of a customer-focused approach, and it, and it wouldn't be a bad thing. And even within our strict regulatory framework in Canada, there's still a lot of room for better communications, much more patient-centric, caregiver-centric communications. And um, at a very basic level, just improving how the experience of the patient-caregiver when they interact with the healthcare system. I don't think people at some level want miracles. They just want to be um, engaged, uh, appropriately listened to, recognized, pretty fundamental, you know, communication goals, really. So I think what we're saying is that are we, um, and I've only a short time, so I'm going to presume the answer, is that the healthcare system 
really needs to see the family caregiver, among others, the patient as well, as a party to be respected, whose needs need to be understood and responded to. In other words, something along the lines of uh, an informed customer. And that way, the sense of teamship, which should exist in, in healthcare and does to some degree, could very much be improved. Now, I would like to close off by saying, first of all, thank you to our listeners. And do please email us with your comments and questions. Um, I'd be very pleased to pass those on to Kim and to Craig. And particularly if you'd like to know more about the work they do and the way in which their organizations and uh, um, things they do operate and how to connect with them, so please connect with us. I want to say thank you to the guests because Kim and Craig have really been sharing with us not only their experience and their insights and giving us some advice, but they've also been pointing to a future, a powerful future, where information of a reliable, credible, understandable type um, can be a vital part of supporting family caregivers who, let's face it, subsidize healthcare systems pretty well everywhere. Um, and it's only right, I think, that uh, the family caregivers should receive the kind of support they need. And if I can just put in a plug for Family Caregivers Unite, and I'm not going to ask my two guests this, but I hope that Family Caregivers Unite actually does something useful along the lines or helps along the lines that Kim and Craig have been advocating. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about the U.S. Family Caregiver of the Year Award winner. Please join us. Same spot, same time, and same uh, occasion on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being right.